0: Good evening, church. Um, wow, what an evening it has been. I feel so full. Um, I think it's been such an anointing, an anointed evening um, from pre-service prayer. For those of you that were there, those of you, you that weren't there, please join us for pre-service prayer. It was an amazing time of just stepping into God's presence and being prepared and filled um, for tonight. And even this sermon series... Um, and the worship, Rual and Christina, I just want to honor you for your, the way that you led tonight, and uh, we know it hasn't been an easy week, um, but thank you. Thank you even for the way that you were vulnerable on the prayer group to share what was happening. Um, yeah, we love you and we appreciate you so much, and um, I really experience in this um, this whole time of going through this topic of rest, I experienced God's anointing on this sermon series. And I really, be, I really believe it's not just because of the different people that shared the different messages. It really is because of God's heart for us as a church to step into rest and to live from a place of rest. And um, I don't know what it's been like for you so far, but this topic has the potential sometimes to cause a little bit of turmoil and chaos in our lives because we realize, oh my goodness, I'm missing it. We realize, wow, this is what God has for me, but that's not what I'm experiencing currently. And um, that was my experience. In um, August 2019, Adam Mabry was at our campus conference and he ministered this message. Um, That's the guy that wrote the book. And... um, The moment that he started speaking, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And then Yaku decided to buy the book for everyone that was on staff and part of the team. And he gave it to us and he said, you have to read it. And every week we would speak about it. And every week I would be like, oh my word, I'm failing at this. Like, I'm not resting. Like, how do I do this? And um, I even went on holiday later that August and uh, we were in the Kruger National Park, beautiful nature, animals, resting, and I felt so restless. I felt so anxious. And um, I'm going to read a short bit from my journal, which is not something that I usually share with people. <laughs> there we go. But I really felt to share this because this is what I experienced when I first started learning about rest and learning about this topic. Um, So I was praying, and it was early morning. I woke up like really early before the sunrise because it was a family holiday, and when the family wakes up, there's not a lot of time for quiet time. So it was early morning. I was sitting on the stoop or the patio looking over this beautiful dam and thinking of all the animals just peacefully chilling there. And um, I wrote this. I said... Lord, thank you that I can be in the Kruger National Park. I just want to stay here and not go back to the city and its busyness. Here, everything is open and peaceful. I know that the city and life back home is supposed to represent purpose. Purpose and meaning and calling. But right now, I feel so tired and all the busyness and work and city life. Drains me. Being here makes me feel like I just want to stay here and rest. Avoid ministry, avoid responsibility, avoid church, avoid people. Just stay here and be with nature and animals and with you. I want the rest and peace and quiet to enter my soul and my mind, but it's too crowded in here. I'm filled with things about responsibility and work and a calendar that's full until the end of the year, to do lists that never get shorter, only longer. Weeks that are filled with more duties than time. Why do we live like this? And how can we stop? Should we be living our lives like this? Does it honor you? Is this your will and your plan for us? Is there another way, a different life? And I continued that morning just praying and speaking to God, just pouring out my heart like, God, there's this restlessness. And I can't get rid of it. I'm on holiday trying to rest, and I cannot rest. Because my mind and my spirit is filled with hurriedness. And I'm someone I want to live with purpose. I'm not going to sit around and be here on earth and live a life of chilling and hanging. And I want to do stuff. And I want to live for Jesus. And I want him to spend my life for his glory. But I needed to learn how do I do it from a place of rest, of resting in God, of not striving, of not doing it from myself. And it took months since then to keep on praying and to keep on reading that book. I also worked through another book with Andre, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Markoma, which also is an amazing book, but it causes chaos. But The thing is, when we think of these, um, this rest topic, we cannot do nothing, right? That's not the idea. It's not the idea of quitting everything, stop everything, go loving on an island, you know, stop all your relationships, and that's the answer. Just quit your job, quit everything, and just go live somewhere in a small city and avoid the busyness. Okay, that's not what he's calling us to. God calls us to live in this world, but to not be of this world. And so there's an Afrikaans saying, I'm going to say it in Afrikaans and then I'll translate, which says, ledigheid is die And then I added to it and said, in besig wees is Okay, so in English, idleness is the devil's playground. Okay, So when we're idle, when we're lazy, that is basically the devil's playground because he finds ways to lure us into things, to waste our time and to do things that you shouldn't be doing. But busyness is his business. And when we buy into busyness, we are basically buying into working in his business. And that's not God's heart. Now, I want to clarify what I mean by busyness, because there's a difference between having a busy life and having a full life. I want to have a full life, but I do not want to have a busy life. And the difference is this, busy is when you are hurried and there's distracted activity. So everything is just happening and going all the time, but there's a restless life that you are living. Whereas a full life, there's deep, meaningful activity. So there's still activity, but it's deep and meaningful, and it's a restful life. Now we're going to do a little bit of a diagnostic on ourselves. Okay, are you ready? Okay, we're going to test ourselves and see are we restless or restful? So there's a, a little bit of a diagram there. So, a spirit of restfulness, we have margin, okay, meaning that there's some space in your life to rest and to be with God, whereas a spirit of restlessness, there's just busyness and chaos everywhere. Um, It's slowness versus hurry, quiet versus noise, deep relationships versus isolation, time alone versus crowds, delight versus distraction, Enjoyment versus envy. Clarity versus confusion. Gratitude versus greed. Contentment versus discontentment. Trust versus worry. Love versus anger and angst. Joy versus melancholy and sadness. Peace versus anxiety. Working from love versus working for love. Doing work as contribution Versus doing work as accumulation and accomplishment. And then grace versus striving. Or being present versus being distracted and rushed. Now if you look at that, which one of the two are you experiencing in your life at the moment? If you think of your week. A lot of the times we are in the restlessness. A spirit of restlessness. Where we are rushing from things. Where even when we are in a moment where it's supposed to be a family moment, our head is somewhere else. And we are stressed and we are worrying about something else. You can be on holiday and you can be stressing about what's waiting for you when you get back from work. That is not God's heart. And so how do we fix this? I'm going to read a lot of scripture now, but I want you to trust God to speak to you through the scripture. And I want you to make notes, to write these scriptures down and to go and meditate on it because these are the scriptures that led me to understand that this is not what God wants, that led me to understand how do I apply God's rest in a manner that I can walk in rest and peace. Matthew 11, verse 29 to 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This invitation is from Jesus himself. I want to read it for you in the message translation. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is an invitation of saying, I'm still going to live a full life. I'm still going to have a schedule and with responsibilities, but I'm going to learn how to do it with Jesus. I'm going to learn how to follow him and walk with him, walk the way that he walked, so that I can learn the unforced rhythms of grace, where everything in your life is not a constant striving, a constant, I have to do it, I have to make it work. I need to bring in the finances. I need to fix this problem at work. I need to fix my kids. I need to fix my family. I need to fix my marriage this constant striving. I need to fix myself. I need to be better. I need to be smarter. I need to look better. I need to go to the gym more. A constant striving of wanting to make things better instead of following the rhythms of grace, following Jesus' way. Another scripture, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. If we do things out of ourselves, we are wasting our time. And we are killing ourselves in the process. God wants to teach us a different way. If we read this again in the message translation, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. And that's what we experience. We're putting all this effort in, but we're not getting what we're looking for from it. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? God wants us to live in rest. If we do not live in rest, we are actually showing to the world the message that we're trying, well, not trying, but that we are portraying to the world is that God is a slave driver. And that is not who he is. That is not who our God is. Our God is a God that saves us. Our God is a God that does all the work for us. It is finished. He paid the price so that we don't have to. He saves us so that we don't have to. If we go to the next scripture, Revelation 2. Now, this is a scripture that I went through a good time of sabbatical a few months ago. And, uh, yo, this scripture convicted me. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. This is Jesus speaking to the churches. And this church specifically He's saying to them, I know your work, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. So here he speaks to a church that is doing wonderful things, great things. And that's the thing, church. We can be good Christians and good people and I'm serving here and I'm doing this and I'm running there and I'm leading and I'm serving and whatever. But if I'm not connecting to my first love, Jesus, all of that is for nothing. And you're going to come to the end of your life and he's going to say, Repent. God wants our hearts. He doesn't want your toil and your busyness and your work, 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 work. He wants your heart before he wants your accomplishments. Do you know that God doesn't need us to change the world? He doesn't need us to work hard and do things. He can do everything that he has planned and that he has been doing for generations and generations, and he knows what's going to happen at the end, and he is in control of everything. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burnt but have not love, I gain nothing. He's saying here, even if we lay down our lives and we labor and labor and labor, if we do not have the love of God and the communion, the fellowship with our God, that relationship that He wants with us, we're doing it for nothing. And it's empty This scripture does not just speak of love. I know sometimes we use it at weddings and preach about, you know, the kind of life that we need to have. And that is good and that is true. But if you actually read in context, this scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit. Because 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians uh, 14 speaks of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the kind of love that is explained here is the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we learn... To move in the Holy Spirit, our labor will not be in vain, first of all, but it also won't be striving. It won't be stressful. It won't be heavy, because He is the one that does it in that deep fellowship with Him. It continues then. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, just reading that, that sounds like a heavy load, right? I mean, I am not patient or kind most of the time, especially not when I'm hurried. I do envy and boast. Many times I'm arrogant and rude, especially when I am so busy with so many things that I'm so distracted, I many times insist on my own way. I can be very irritable and resentful when I'm in a hurry. But when I learn to connect with the Holy Spirit, when I learn to spend time in God's presence, when I learn to not just live in His presence maybe in the morning with a short devotional time, but when I learn to really live and connect into the Holy Spirit and as I leave my house, I stay aware of Him and I walk with Him and I follow Him and I keep on speaking to Him and I keep on praying and I keep on listening to Him, that is when His love takes over, when His power takes over, when there is a slowness even in the midst of the chaos, when there is rest even though I'm going to craziness happening at work, Even when I'm sitting in traffic, there can be rest, there can be slowness because I'm connecting to the Holy Spirit. And that is what He wants for us. He wants us to live in that deep relationship that doesn't stop the moment that I stop my quiet time and I go into the world. No, no, no. He goes with me. He leads me. I follow Him. And that's what what even, you know, the previous scripture that said we need to live like Jesus lives. We need to step into what He has for us. I'm going to jump forward to 1 John 2, verse 15 and 17. Now, this is an awesome scripture. Again, speaking about love and speaking about, we've been speaking about abiding in God. How do I abide in Him? How do I remain in Him? How do I remain in the Holy Spirit, even though I'm going into chaos? And He says this, when we rest, we need to Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with the desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so it's when we learn to shut down the world and the craziness, and when we learn to connect with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, that we can step into the fullness of what the Father has for us and we can abide. And we can abide even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of craziness. We can be a people that lives different from the world. That doesn't mean we need to hide from the world and be all weird but it means that we determine our own culture, not live according to the culture of the world around us, not live according to the pace of the world around us. Now, if we think of what is rest, rest is, in the Hebrew and the word that the Jews used to use, is Sabbath. And Sabbath means to stop or to delight. Rest is worship, and it's not necessarily worship of, you know, coming here to church and singing songs, that's good as well, but you can worship in your room, you can worship in your car by just being thankful to God and and acknowledging Him in the moments in your life and being aware of Him. Rest is resistance. Rest is saying no to the world. Rest is saying no to your phone. Sometimes rest is saying no to yourself. Because, church, our flesh and our sinful desires are not set up for rest. Our flesh does not want to rest. Our flesh, just like Richard pre- preached last week, we want to avoid that stillness. We don't want to face ourselves and we do not want to face God. But we need to resist that and step into spaces of rest where we slow down. Rest is being present wherever you are, to not be distracted, to not rush to the next thing, to not think of the next thing, but to say, I'm going to stop and I'm going to be here. Because whatever needs to happen next, God has that. God is in control. I am not going to worry. And it's living like Jesus did. It's living Spirit-led. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing, and I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father, Father saying. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, not just to be able to, you know, see Him working miracles through our lives, but it's in order for Him to be the miracle for us, that we can stay sane in a crazy world. So how do we rest? We need to preach the gospel to ourselves and to our lives. Now, I'm going to quickly teach you how to do that. I don't know if you've seen the three circles before, but we... Use that many times as an evangelism tool. And this is an easy way to preach the gospel to yourself and to your life. Now, if you look at the circle at the top right, it says their brokenness. And that represents the broken world. We live in a broken world, a world where we have systems in place that are broken, that are not set up for rest. We live in companies and businesses where we work that are not set up for rest. And we want to escape this brokenness and this craziness. And the way that we do that is we consume and we try to numb ourselves and we try to do all these little things. And those are the little arrows that you see there. We're trying to escape the craziness. But all of that is futile. It doesn't work. Now, if you look at the circle at the top left, that's God's design, God's original design. God's original design was perfect. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden and there was peace and there was rest. And God wants to give us rest. He wants to be our peace. He wants us to live in the fullness of His love. To live in that love that is patient and kind and doesn't resent and isn't irritable. But the problem is sin keeps on throwing us back into brokenness. Our own sinful nature sometimes leads us into busyness because we're looking for accomplishment. We're looking for trying to be in control of everything. We're looking for significance. And so we keep running after all of these things and saying yes to things that we should not be saying yes to. And what we need to do is to remind ourselves and preach to ourselves and say, there will always be more work. There will always be another task to accomplish. There will always be things left on your to-do list. There will never be enough time because we live in a broken world. There is no finished symphony on this earth. But we have a God that paid the price so that we don't have to. And that is Jesus. That's the third circle, the gospel. When we run to Jesus, when we repent from our own striving and our own trying and our own working for significance and control and everything, when we say, no, Marielle, God is in control, I'm not going to stress about this because he has my life, he has my situations, he has my family, he has my finances, then I can preach to myself and say, repent from that and turn to God and say, Lord, thank you that you know where my next paycheck is coming from. Thank you, Lord, that you know how I'm going to sort out this mess with my boss. Thank you, Lord, that you care about my relationship with my brother, and that you are fighting with me for this relationship. Thank you, God, that you care about my marriage and about my um, relationship with my husband. And Lord, that you are fighting for us and that I cannot fix everything, but you can. And Lord, I just come to you now and I submit it to you and I want to step into your rest. I want to step into your rest. And that's when he starts recovering us back into his original design, where we can live in his fullness, where we can experience his healing, where we can experience his Holy Spirit ministering to us, where we can proclaim truth, where we can repent, and then we step into his grace. And all of a sudden, all of the chaos that's going on at work, it's still there, but you are not experiencing it anymore. Because the rest came in here. Because truth came and ministered to your heart. So I want to encourage you, preach the gospel to yourself. Build your friendship with God, with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. Make times with God. So, I mean, just as you would have a friendship with people, um, you don't do the same thing with all of your friends, but, I mean, find spaces in your day-to-day rhythms where you can spend time with God. So if you love Um, going, so I love going to the dog park with my dogs, and I see that as time with God where I get to pray. Even if I don't know what to pray, I just walk and pray in tongues. Um, Some mornings, I choose not to start working, and I, after my quiet time, I go out, and I go for a walk in the neighborhood, and I just pray, and I just listen to worship music, and I just spend time in God's presence as a way of resisting the rush as a way of saying, Lord, I'm going to step into your rest. And I know that there's a lot of things that I need to do today, but those things will get done. I'm going to rest. I'm going to wait. I'm going to spend more time in your presence. And that's the thing. Practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. We're going to have a a moment now where we're going to pray for just the baptism of the Holy Spirit again because we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. He is our peace. He is our connection with Jesus and God the Father. And it is with him and through him. And even like something as simple as praying in tongues, the Bible says that praying in tongues builds us up. It makes your spirit arise so that you don't have to fight all of those craziness going on in your life yourself, but he can do it for you. Yesterday, I had a a pretty long day um, serving at an event um, and it was really a long day, and um, we were ministering, and it was amazing. Um, at the end, a lot of people surrendered their lives to Jesus, and praise God, that's amazing. But when the day started, I had to be there at six thirty, and it was going through the whole day. And driving there, I just felt like, oh, I'm so not blissful for this. I woke up with a headache. I don't feel ready. I don't feel like I'm going with the right heart or the right spirit. And I just started praying in the car on my way, and I just started repenting and saying. Lord, I don't want to go to this thing out of duty. Would you change my heart? Would you change my attitude? Would you be with me all throughout the day? And it was a long day and I got tired at times, but every time that I did, I just prayed and I just said, Lord, thank you that you are here. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to connect to you. Don't love the world or the things of this world. This thing. Get rid of this thing. Put it in in its place. When you get home from work or whatever, I don't know, find a space where this thing sits in your house where you don't touch it. This thing is destructive. This thing is distracting. And this thing is filled with the things of the world. I'm just going to leave it there. And then obey and apply the Sabbath. Now, there's a lot that we can say about Sabbath. And I really want to encourage you, get that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Listen to it, read it. Read this book of Adam Mabry and ask God to teach you what the Sabbath is. But God commanded the Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And with all of the other Ten Commandments, He never explained why we shouldn't do it. Like He didn't say, don't kill people because this and this and this. Or like, don't commit adultery because this and this and this. But he said, keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath because it is holy. There is blessing in the Sabbath. There is so much that if we just choose to stop, if we choose one day in our week to live it differently, we live all other seven days of that week different. We need to practice rest because it's like exercise. If you, just, if you don't exercise at all and all of a sudden you go to the gym, you're not going to like exercise. And you might not know what to do. You might not know where to start. But the more you exercise, you more, the more you start liking it, the more you start figuring out, okay, I don't like cardio so much, so I'm going to do a little bit more resistance training. Or, you know, I don't like that machine. I'm rather going to do this. It's the same with rest. We all rest in different ways. We have different personalities. We have different things that fill our tanks. And I really want to encourage you to pursue this and to figure it out for yourself. And to find out, God, what are the things that help me to rest? But if you do not apply the Sabbath often, you will struggle to rest you will get to your holiday and be tired and exhausted and not be able to rest. And I used to do that. Like sometimes I would go on holiday and I would just get sick because my body would just shut down. And we need to learn to practice rest so that we can stay in rest, so that there are rhythms of rest, but so that we also walk in rest and live from rest. And the moment that we exit rest, we immediately realize, whoa, you're irritable, you are uh, not patient or kind what's going on, get back to Jesus. It shouldn't be a week of that and then realizing, oh, wait, whoa, I'm not resting. We need to practice rest so that we immediately realize when we are not resting and then practice slowing down. What do I mean by slowing down? Slow is fast and less is more. Slow is fast, so... In the kingdom of God, it's an upside-down kingdom. We need to learn that good things take time, and it's not our timing. We cannot cause fruit to come. God says, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. You need to trust Him. You need to trust His timing of things, and you need to keep on being faithful and know that He will bring His blessing, and He will bring the right things at the right time. Secondly, less is more. Some of us do need to quit some things. Some of us do need to get rid of some things in our lives. And I, I ask you to pray and to ask God, Lord, what are the things that are not adding to my relationship with you? What are the things in my life that are distracting me? What are the things that are stealing from me? And to ask him, Lord, how do I get rid of this? Because again, it doesn't mean that all of us now need to quit our jobs but there are small habits that you can start changing and it will help you to slow down and to be someone that can be present. I want to leave you with this last picture. Sizi, where you can just go to the picture of the anchor. There we go. So... The winds of life and the chaos, it's not going to stop. Okay, that's the bad news. It's not going to stop. We live in a broken world. But God is our anchor. And if we can stay anchored in Him, He will be the one to give us rest in the chaos, in the busyness. He will be the one that can make you so productive and so fruitful and give you a lot of responsibilities but you will still have margin in your week. He is the one that can make you plan better. He is the one that can teach you to say no to the things that you should be saying no to and say yes to the things that you should be saying yes to. Even the relationships in your life. There are some relationships in your life that at the moment you should be saying no to that because sometimes your motive for that relationship is because you're looking for acceptance or you're looking for, I don't know, maybe significance or something. Trust God to lead you to know what am I saying yes to and what am I saying no to? I want to leave you then with this scripture, Hebrews, 9, Hebrews 4, verse 9 to 11. This is the good news. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Thank you, God, that there remains a rest for us. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That's so weird. He's saying strive to enter that rest. That's almost like saying to a child, you have to strive to go eat that ice cream. Rest is a good thing, and we are resisting it. We are the ones saying no to rest. We are the ones filling our busy schedules. God is asking us to stop. And Sabbath is not the same as taking a day off. Because many times we take a day off, but we fill it with things of the world. We fill it with consumerism. We fill it with television and Netflix. We fill it with our cell phones. We fill it with busyness, this event and that event. A Sabbath rest is where you enter God's rest, where you preach the gospel to yourself. And where you spend time with the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have to pray and be in the Word the whole day. But it does mean that somewhere in the day you do need to do that because you need truth to renew your heart and then to go and spend quality time with your family and your people but in a way of worshipping, delighting in the Lord and really enjoying His presence, being thankful for what He has given you. So we're going to take a moment now where we are going to have communion. Now communion represents Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. And so as we're going to do that now, I want you to go and get your communion and come and sit down at your seat. And I want you to repent of what you need to repent of, of some of the restlessness that you have caused unto yourself. But I want you to use that diagram, the three circles, And preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to your situations, the stuff that are making you stress, the things that are keeping you busy. Preach the gospel where you say to yourself, I am not in control of this. God is in control. He is the creator. And I am going to let go. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm not going to work overtime. And I'm not going to keep on running, running, running. I'm going to trust God to place His presence into my life so that I can walk into His fullness. So I want to give us a moment and you can go and get your communion and I want you to just sit with God and preach the gospel to yourself and preach the gospel to your life and your situations. you, Lord, that there remains a rest for the people of God. Thank you, Lord, that you are our rest. Thank you, Lord, that we have the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price that we can live in victory and fulfillment in this world. Thank you, Lord, that we can be victorious even in the midst of chaos. Thank you, Lord, that we can have peace even in the midst, midst of craziness and busyness. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to come and slow down and rest. God, that you would minister the gospel to us and to our situations right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that we would abide in you. That we would see communion often as a symbol of entering your rest and letting go and just giving control to you. I wanna pray right now just for the Holy Spirit to just come and fill us again. And if that's you, if you want the Holy Spirit to just come and fill you with His power and with His presence so that you can go into this world with rest and with Him doing the work in you and for you and through you so that you can live in that grace, I want you to just stand right now. And let's ask Lord, just stand in a posture of receiving. And let's just ask the Lord, to just come and fill us with His Holy Spirit. Just pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the price so that I can have a life of fullness and restfulness. I just ask that you baptize me in the Holy Spirit right now. That you fill me with the fullness of God that I can live in your power and in your presence. And I pray that you would teach me how to walk in your presence and in your fullness. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Church, I want to encourage you as you go home this week, spend time with God. (laughs) Look at your life, look at your rhythms preach the gospel to yourself, but I really want you to go and sit with God and ask Him, what do I need to change? And don't see this as a a short time thing, like, oh, the sermon series is done now, so I'm just going to move on with my life. If we do not learn how to do this, we will not live in the power of God, and we will not be able to be the children that God is calling us to be. So I really want to encourage you go this week, go and apply this, go and keep on pressing into this, keep on pressing into these scriptures, and may God lead you. Have an awesome week.
1: Come on, can we give Mariel just a hand? I, um, I do want to acknowledge that throughout this whole sermon series, the, the messages have been um, a bit longer than maybe normal, but I, I realize also that you guys didn't even notice that, right? Um, but I think, I just want to appreciate, Mariel, and thank you for your faithfulness to the Word, that you pressed in to share what God has called you to share, that you didn't stop short. Uh, and sometimes it's difficult to share hard truths, um, but I do want to just echo what Mariel said, that, friends, if you go from this and say, "Yo, oh, that, that was a big sermon series, I wonder if we're going to have something lighter next week. Um, well, next week we're speaking about Jesus who died on the cross. <laughs> So um, the, the word says, make every effort, be diligent to enter the rest. That's on you and me. Lest you fall to the same example of disobedience. Meaning that you can live, as, uh, you can be born again, be a Christian, but miss out on the rest that is available to you. Um, I shared with the morning service something that helps me. If you knew that you knew that you knew that Jesus was coming back in a year from now, What things in your life wouldn't be that important? What things that Jesus has asked you to do would you actually accomplish? Um, It helps put our lives in perspective when we think about life in the spectrum of eternity.